You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. First new Hawk Talk of the new year, Greg. The new year fiscal year. The yeah. new year Monmouth Athletics Conference News Year. And we're, com- we're coming out hot right now. I we think- came out hot episode one with the athletic director and... This is the start of season two, we're going to say. And we're yeah, coming out swinging. I think people who, um, only people who work in our business consider this the new year. I, new fiscal years are pretty common. Most of them go on the calendar year. Maybe. Yeah, I think most of them are. are. But anyway, you're right. We've had a wild week of announcements. Uh, we are now official members of the Colonial Athletic Association. So that's kind of fun. Um Ben and Gary and those guys dropped a phenomenal like three minute year in review kind of video, I think on the second. So if you haven't seen that, probably get out there and watch a couple that's got every team on campus on that, which is becoming increasingly more difficult to capture as we exponentially grow our teams here at the Monmouth University. Um, <clears throat> what else we got going on? Oh, there's been some. Uh, some announcements coming down the pike or that are down the pike now with some um, some new roles that, for some of our older co-workers. And yeah, we got a new, new soccer coach. New women's soccer coach in the fold with um, Coach Rossi, who's taking over. She was the associate head coach for, for years here, mm-hmm. and now we'll... She, that sounds like an upcoming guest. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> that, will, that will happen. So a lot of great things happening. A lot of... Uh, you know, it's a new year and it's there's a lot of new happening, but I think one of the really fun things that we're able to do is look at the full picture, right, of Mammoth Athletics. And it's really fun because when we were kind of talking about guests and getting ready for who we're going to bring on to kind of start this new year. you know, Yeah, we, we actually have a whiteboard with guests. We It's huge. But today's guest wasn't on that one. Well, Jump the line. Because today's guest, when available, we <laughs> make sure to fit our schedule around it because... You know, when Monmouth entered the MAC, it did so, right, the last time Monmouth entered a new league, it did so with a pretty good young class of men's basketball players. Well, one of the leading names there, and you'll recognize him, and our guest today is the all-time leading Division One scorer at Monmouth University. I can't believe we even got him in the country, yet alone on Hawk Talk, but Justin Robinson joins us. And Justin, how you doing, man? My guys, man, I'm good. How you guys doing? We're great. We're great. And, uh... So we were talking about guests, and we kind of struck out on, on a couple early in the week, and then Gary Kowal was just like, "Oh yeah, you know, blah blah blah." J Rob was over. I was like, "Wait, what? Is he back?" Because I I don't I can't follow when you're here or when you're where you're. Italy. All I see is that there's a different jersey just doing the same embarrassing things to people that <laughs> I saw when you were here, taking forty six foot jumpers that look effortlessly. Making guys dive across the, the the floor like they look stupid trying to guard you and then drive in, um, dime passes. So anyway, yes, Justin Robinson in the house, and uh, I think we're pretty we're pretty pumped to have you. So um, thanks for taking some time. I think you're playing in the JSBL as well. Yep, I'm down there as per usual. You know, I missed the first week on vacation, but I'm there every night now. Whenever I'm on the schedule, I'm there. You guys love that JSBL. Listen, man, get a good chance to get under a whistle. Get out and go go sweat a little bit, get some buckets, and have some fun, you know. As long as basketball's around, I'm going to have fun with it. So w- what team are you on right now? Um, I just finished up year five in Germany for Bros Bamberg. Um, currently sorting through different things now, so within the next 10, 14 days, I should know what's going on for next season. 
Very nice. I meant JSPL. We'll get into the pro <laughs> JSPL. CVU Jeep. CVU. Are you? Oh, is that is that just you're locked into the CVU Jeep? Lifetime contract. Very nice. <laughs> so are there other are there other Mammoth guys on that team? I'm told I don't pay any attention to yep, it. Me, um, and Colin Stewart. There we go. Uh, the We're just talking about Colin Stewart. Hawks. Um, a few years ago, Lou Polari was with us, but he jumped ship. He's out. Hasn't hasn't won a thing since. <laughs> you know, they say the JSBL offseason really is. That's where the transactions really come fast and furious. Who happen. in their right mind would get off J-Rob's team? I, yeah. One would think. I, uh, wouldn't be me. Um, so so <laughs> I get this whole JSBL thing is like. I mean, look, we can be honest. What it is is it's glorified pickup for fans but of like the area. But, like, dudes come and play there. Oh, no, no. I mean just in terms of how well, I'm sure, like, but it's competitive. Yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. I've. I used to watch it all the time, and then as you get older, right, like things happen. But I mean, Justin, you still because it's moved now too, and you still get great crowds and people when they know Justin's in town, whether you see it on Twitter or you see it in the APP coverage, people flock. They come out to see you and your, you know, a lot of your former teammates go do work. Who, who are some of the other guys that like like? There's guys who play at mid majors, high majors, like, and and they don't. They're not all from obviously Justin's not from Jersey, but they're not all from Jersey. But they come and play in that. Yeah, I mean, you know. There's maybe four or five good pro-am basketball leagues in the summertime around New York, New Jersey. Um, and JSBL obviously had its falling off a bunch of years ago before I got here. But then right. as I've played, it's coming back more and more. And, you know, dudes want to play. And dudes want to have the chance to be under a whistle because you can always play pickup and then it gets sloppy after a while. <laughs> so guys want to get under a whistle a little bit and just get up and down and sweat. Um, but yeah, we get guys from all over the place. You know, more more pros are coming out. Um, I've got a couple of special guests coming later in the summertime. Cool. It's like ringers. Wow, J Rob bringing it's like ringers. an exclusive, right? Because he said that, and obviously this is an audio medium, so people can't see Justin's face. <laughs> but he said that, and then he gave us the look like I, I got some, I got some things going. How come we can't get? Why can't we get Jig out there and play on a team? Um, He's too busy know. beating Jig up on my kids team. intramurals. Jig was on my team the first year and then never came back. <laughs> <laughs> he was a one and done. Yeah, one and done. Never came well, back. Well, him and Micah walk up and down these halls beating up on kids in intramurals here at Mouth University. And I'm like, no, you should be beating up on these kids <laughs> here at Mouth University. You understand? Like, they can still play, man. They'll. Yeah, they can still play, which is yeah. which is a scary thing that they haven't played seriously in so long. But those boys can still go. Heck yeah. All right, so let's loop back. Um, playing in Germany last year. What, and I don't want you to, like, piss anybody off, but what's been, like, your favorite place to live? Forget about, like, the level of basketball. Forget about that stuff. Because you've been all over in five years. Yeah. What's been your favorite, like, spot to be at? Italy, 100%. Obviously. There. It's a good answer. Yeah. And I was there during the COVID year, so we really couldn't even travel and explore Italy the way we wanted to. But even still, it was unreal. You know, um, I played in Pesaro, which is right on the beach. It's right on the coast of the Adriatic Sea. Unbeatable view every morning. Unbeatable sunset <laughs> every night. And got to play basketball here and there. So you know, it was right. Unbeatable. Well, and awesome. it, Italy was one of the countries that were hit hardest early by COVID. So yeah. was that you know because you've experienced obviously with what was going on here. But but how hard was that? Over there, like you said, you got this beautiful view. You got this great opportunity. But I know they were really strict really early. Um, yeah, and then the region I was in was like the, the Marsh region, um, which is like, it's more of like an elderly area. So they were very, very strict with it. 
um, especially when things were at the height of COVID, you know, yeah. they were very walk outside mask. Like if you were outside without a mask on, it was a fine. If you were outside after a certain time, it was a fine. Um, only one person in, in the household could go to the grocery store. You had to have an ID on you with the home address. If you didn't have it on you, that was a fine. Like it was, wow. there was a lot of stuff going on over there. But then I want to say around March, like the middle of March, things started to open up a bit and things started to look more normal. And you could see where things could get out of control, but <laughs> because they had taken proper precautions and stuff, it didn't get back out of control. What were there, and not to get too deep into it, the the restrictions for like fans were there? Did you did you play in front of a lot of empty gyms? Was it was it no fans or were some allowed in to see you play? Um, so it's it was very interesting because <laughs> we were we weren't allowed to have fans, but we had a chunk of sponsors and then family members in the gym. Okay, and then some teams, like depending on the region, it always went by region. Um, some regions were allowed like twenty five percent of the arena, right? But what they would do is they would fill up behind the cameras and then the camera would be shooting at an empty gym, but all the fans on filled in like sardines behind the camera. So kind of the opposite of what it would <laughs> yeah, normally right. be. Yeah, right. So yeah. The opposite to what you want it to be. Yeah. You just don't see the fans, but the fans were in their pack. Right. Um, they, they found every way around it possible. over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And like, they love hoops in, in Italy, right? Yeah, like huge on hoops. They, they love it. Um, all right, so so Italy, where where else have you been? Obviously Germany. Um, France. I did two years in France and then the I wanna say February beginning of March, my second year of France is when the first COVID outbreak hit mm. and it hit super fast. Like we were I remember we had a, a game on a Saturday and it was Wednesday and they said the game was potentially postponed because of this new virus that's going around. So we were like, All right, like we'll play it by ear. And then it was, we had like an eight-hour bus trip to the game. We were supposed to leave on Friday morning. And we sat as a team and met and we're like, no, we don't think it's smart to go, especially if the game is in limbo. Like, I'm not about to sit on a bus for eight hours. Right. It's just, for nothing. It's, it's just not happening. And, you know, back and forth with management, and they finally agreed, like, you know what, let's just hold off. And then Saturday morning, the league canceled the game. And we had a team meeting on Monday. They said, wait till we find out if we can, if you guys can go home, make sure you guys will get paid or whatever. We waited till Thursday. They said, you guys are clear to go. And then an hour after that, um, the gov- or Macron, I don't know what his title is, but the guy over there in France said, all foreigners have 16 hours to leave the country, otherwise you'll be detained. And wow. So basically, you just had to book your own flight and get just out of get there. Get out of Dodge. Yeah. So you were able to come back home. Yeah, I was able to come back home. But then when I got home, they said the league might restart. <sighs> and we were like, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I know if it's a, if it's a virus outbreak, you can't just, <laughs> right. just push it off two weeks. Right. And that's what they were trying to do. And they ended up finally just canceling the season. That's crazy. Yeah. I feel like everyone's story with it is so unique. Yeah. None more so than that. Right, sure. because you're talking you're about in a foreign country. Being in a foreign country, all the uncertainty. Like we were, we had uncertainty. We lived 20 minutes from where we work. It's not that big of a deal. That's that's pretty crazy. And that comes on the heels of, of a super successful pro debut for you in yeah. in Russia. So you know, at that point, you're like, all right, you know, on to France. Great opportunity for you. But what was the feeling then once you kind of got home? Was it like, okay, now we just got to take COVID out? But as far as your pro career, kind of what was the focus after that? Well, I'm just staying shape. 
stay in shape. And I did not do that. Um, I, did, <laughs> I did not stay in shape at all when I got home from the COVID outbreak. I gained like 26 pounds and uh, just chilling out every day. <laughs> <laughs> I gained that the first COVID outbreak too, sure, but then yeah. I added 26 more <laughs> for the second one. So I don't have to play any kind of professional sports. <laughs> and then like once the summer hit, they were like, all right, leaves are going to start back up again. And I was sitting there like, all right, well, this is going to suck, but I'll get back in shape. You know, I had some some help from some good friends that helped me get back in shape. So, you know, I'm very thankful for them to help me out. But it was not an easy go. <laughs> did you do, was that around here or did you have to go somewhere else for that? No, I was here in Jersey. Okay. Here, yeah. Just outside of the parks, running hills, track, you know, all the fun stuff. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> all the miserable parts. Right. Uh, so, talk about like. You know, you're you're a young kid from New York, and you come down to Jersey and play ball. And now all of a sudden, you're getting dropped in foreign countries. Like, was that a, was it a hard transition? Were you ever homesick? Were you ever like, was there ever a minute when you're like, you know what, this sucks. I'm going to move back home and, and and find something else to do. I'm, or are you just like, no, I'm playing ball and I'm getting paid to do it, and I don't care. So very few people know this story, but after I had summer league with the Heat, I had option for a two-way contract but when i spoke with mr riley and spolstra they basically said we were going to spend the entire year in the g league because at the time they had um goran Dragic, who was an all-star the year before josh richardson and they had just re-signed tyler johnson for 50 million so i was like all right i could <laughs> sit in sioux falls for the entire year or take my chances over in europe i'm gonna take my chances over in europe get lucky sign a contract to go to russia the day I land in Russia, they lose one of my bags in the airport in Moscow. And then when I finally get to Saratov, they put me in a hotel. This is probably the scariest hotel in the world. <laughs> it's on it's on the top of a, it's on the bottom of a of a hill, but it's like super super gray. It's like surrounded by trees. I walk in the hotel room. The sink is running. The TV is on staticky, and it's like maybe the size of a GameCube sitting up in the corner of the room. <laughs> and I immediately called my now wife. I called her and I said, I'm coming home. I'm, 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 I'm not doing this. I don't know what I signed up for. I'm coming home. And she talked me out of it and said, you know what? You're going to stick it out, tough it out, give it a chance. I said, All right, whatever. The next day I have all my physicals. I had never taken an MRI before. Mm. They put me in the big machine, no headphones, and I'm, I'm wearing sweatpants, and it's blistering heat in, oh, the, in the doctor's office. Yeah. And I'm just, I've never been claustrophobic, but at this point, I'm in Russia, and I don't understand anything anybody is saying. And I'm sitting there in this MRI machine, and the thing is beeping all loud, and I'm, I'm get me out of here. <laughs> I'm going home. Day two wasn't any better than day one. Not at all. Right. Not at all. And then she says, you know what? You're fine. Stick it out. Tough it out. I make it through the first week. I have to go to the grocery store. I get to I get my groceries. I'm walking out, and because I live super close to the grocery store, I just walked. I'm walking, and it's nighttime, and I see a group of three dogs, like from maybe 150 yards out, and they're just like trotting towards me a little bit. And as they're getting closer, I'm looking at them, and I'm like, I don't think those are dogs. They look kind of big to be dogs. Now they're about 60 yards out. They're wolves. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> they are wolves. And I froze. I froze. One of them stepped towards me a little bit. I dropped the bags of groceries and took off. 
had maybe <laughs> a, a 45 yard sprint to my apartment. And I'm telling you, if there was a clock on that, it might have been a 4 1 40 yard <laughs> dash to my apartment. <laughs> you can't catch a break your first couple of days. No, no, not at all. Then after that, you know, I kind of just settled in and then basketball like really started up. And it was home, grocery store, home. Right. There was no no middle ground breaking. There's there's no sightseeing in Russia? Um, outside of the city I was, like when we were in Moscow or St. Petersburg or Kazan, like we went out a little bit yeah, just to like explore the architecture and stuff like that. And like Moscow is super nice. Like it's a really big city. It's super nice. Um, Kazan and St. Petersburg are beautiful. Like they're really nice, especially it was cold, but during the winter, like when all the snow was around, like it's, yeah, it looks it's, awesome. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. But as far as that, I was in my apartment when I was in home base. I mean, that's literally the beginning of like a movie about an American basketball player sure. trying to make it overseas. Hustle part two. It was insane. I was petrified, truly petrified. <laughs> so, I you know I think it's it's got to be awesome. I mean, when you look back on this, you're a young guy, but like in 20 years, you're gonna look back and be like, wow, like I've spent a lot of time over. Like I've done something that only very finite amount of people can say they've done and take the basketball out of it. being a professional basketball player even more so but like living for an extended time in europe but like you can also come home like you still have like how many months out of the year are you here are you back in jersey new york um like two and a half three months on the high side right so for three months you're back here you get to see who you got to see obviously your wife comes with you to wherever you are in europe Congratulations, yeah. by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah she usually, um, I usually ship out first, um, and then she'll come out like right before opening weekend and stuff like that. Um, and then she'll stay till about January, February, go home for a little bit, and then come out and finish the season with me. So we're not without each other very long. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's got to be awesome for her, too. And yeah, plus, you know, she, she loves it. She loves to travel, loves to see stuff, and eat all the food. You know, she, she's a sightseer. <laughs> She's she's the sight to you. So you cross paths this year in Germany with another hawk. Yes, my how, little brother. How, how was that? No, it was really cool. You know, it was really cool. We've talked about it since my first year, like when we would cross paths, and then when I signed in Germany, he was the first person to message me and be like, "I can't wait to see you, bro. Like, can't wait to compete against you and have fun, just like old times." And you guys, you and Max, were in the same league. Yes, same league. How many times a year did you play each other? Oh, we played each other twice. Nice. So, you know, it was really cool. Who got the better of those? Of those? Oh, I won both matchups. <laughs> it, it's funny because when those pictures and videos surface on, like, social media, the first thing, right, that goes through at least my mind is someone, you know, along with Greg, who watched every minute of both of your careers was, uh, what was the what was the trash talk like during the game? I mean, I know it's friendly. I know you guys are brothers. But what was that trash talk like during um, the game? It was, like, a little more, like, give and take, you know. Like, um, Max has never really been a talker. Like, Max is just going to outwork you. Right. And um, when I first signed, like, the coach was like, yeah, um, there's this player in the league, you know, he wins, wins the defensive player of the league all the time. Like, he's the hardest worker in the league. And I'm like, all right, he's probably talking about Max, but I, I, <laughs> I, I don't want to jump the gun. Right. And then the scouting report comes up. He's like, yeah, we got Max DeLeo, man, you got to watch out. I'm like, dude, I know Max. <laughs> I've played with him for two years. Like, right. But all those he, things are right, right? Yeah, Kid. like, Max is diving on the floor still. Just out, out working everybody. You know, there was a one possession where um, 
Max is like denying me the ball, and I gave him a good little elbow to the chest, and he looks at the ref, and I go, "Don't look at the ref, don't do it, <laughs> <laughs> don't try to get the foul call." He, um, I mean, you talk about a, a guy who like literally has played eight years, I guess probably eight years overseas, just on willpower. Like, I mean, he's a good basketball player. Don't get don't get me wrong, but like, he's just the hardest working. He was the hardest working guy when he was here. Yeah, like just nobody hits the ground more. Right, and it took him however long to get into the rotation here. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So then you could see, you know, I guess when you're, and you could speak to the same thing, when you're an underdog your whole life, you learn to flourish in that role, right? Max did it in a different way than you did it, but we saw, we got to have the front row seat along with Mammoth fans for how that works. I mean, that's got to be pretty special that the story you each had led you to Germany in to compete against each other in the same league at such a good level. Oh, definitely. You know, like, like when we like when we sat and talked about it, we were like, "How many people from from Mom and Sin can say that they did this for as long as he's doing it?" Like he's obviously a few years ahead of me in the professional world, but like we've pretty much established ourselves over there, and it's like not really not many can say that they've done that. We, I can count maybe five or six guys just from yeah. Mom that have done it and continue to do it. So you know when and then when you get to play against someone that you used to go to battle with all the time, you know it's, it makes it so so much cooler. Yeah, did you like circle those two games on the on the schedule? Like, yeah, me and Max Leo day. Oh yeah, I, of course. I had to <laughs> men- I had to mentally prepare for Max because I knew that they were gonna have Max guard me because he always guards the the best player on the other team. So I was like, all right, Max is gonna come after me the second the ball goes up. And as soon as the ball went up, the first game, we got the ball and Max was in my jersey. I was like, <laughs> all right, this is gonna be it's gonna be a good forty minutes here. <laughs> What um so like when you when you get signed by a team or whatever do, are you like on your own to go find a place obviously not Russia but like now you're like are you on your own to find a place or do they like find a place for you or do they stick you up someplace for a little bit and then you go find an apartment or is it just kind of like hey here's the deal we have this apartment in this place and this is where you're gonna live um so you can attack it in like in like three different ways I guess like you can just let them pick your apartment for you um. The way I structure my contract is that it always has to be up to my liking. Like, you can't just stick me in a place and right. say, here it is. Right. Save um, a buck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I have to, like, walk through it or at least get a video tour through it or something. Um, or you can, like, ask them for the housing budget and go through a realtor on your own. And what they'll do is say the housing budget is 5000 a month. And they'll just add that 5000 a month to your contract, and then you just pay the realtor by the month as you go. Right. Um, but I usually just go for the, let me see it when I get there. I just want, easier. Yeah, it's just an added burden if you yeah. go the third route. Have you found that the places they find are pretty cool? Yeah, you know, my first year I was in a studio apartment with um, a bedroom and a kitchen that was attached. And I said, you know what? Never again. <laughs> <laughs> we will not do this ever again. But um, after that, you know, I had a, I've had nothing but good living situations. Good. Yeah, what what were the, I guess what were either the preconceived notions that you had, be you know based on people that you know that had played overseas versus now your experience with it as far as how it was going to be, how it was for an American right to be in those foreign countries because you know you you went and made your name and you are like you said one of, you're the best player on the team and you're one of the best Americans in those countries you've been in so how did that kind of compare to how you thought it was going to be. Um, so, you know, I've heard all, like, I've heard all the good stories, and then I've heard the horror stories. Um, I've heard of the guys that had no issues at all, you know, played for good organizations with good front offices. And then I've heard the stories of guys, you know, going without payment for four months or 
getting paid in cash in a duffel bag and have to try and travel with $30,000 in cash through an airport on the way home, <laughs> which, is, which is insane. So, you know, I've, I've heard them all, but, you know, I've had nothing but good experiences as far as, you know, organizations, you know, payment structures, making sure that I'm getting everything I'm supposed to receive, you know. So, I mean, to this point, I've been very fortunate to have no true organization horror stories. Good. Good. So... What's next? I mean, I know Gary and I talked and he said, you know, J-Rob's on a bunch of calls about a contract and everything, but do you have any idea where you're going? Like, like I, it's not shocking to me, but, but like, wouldn't your team that you just came off of want you back um, they, they on did. that team? or um, So it was a very, very fickle situation with the organization that I was just with. Um, you know, I've got nothing but good things to say about, you know, the city, the team, you know, how that goes. Right. Um, my, the coach that I signed for had gotten fired in December, and then they brought in a new coach who basically flipped the entire roster um, and kept me, one other American, and then everyone else was brand new. Yeah. Um, so it was a very, very fickle situation. And then come, I want to say, like right after the war broke out in the Ukraine, all of those guys that were in the Ukraine and Russia – went out free agent, so he brought in another guard, um, which was no problem by me, but the issue is they wouldn't let me leave. Like, I wanted to leave, and they just said, no, we're not letting you leave, so you have to stay. So it was a lot of, lot of head-banging with the coach, like a little <laughs> bit, but, you know, I stuck it out. I made it through. I pushed us into the playoffs, um, and then I met with the coach on the way out, and he said, you know, we'll, we'll have discussions about what we're going to do for next year. But I just want to thank you for being professional the entire year. And I was like, you know what? Even though we didn't really see eye to eye all the time, you know, we did what we were supposed to do. We made sure that we, whatever headbangs we had, we made it work between the lines and on the court. And, you know, it's not, a, it's not very common that you find that in the professional world, you know. It's very common where if you and a coach don't get along, you're either out or you're just on the end of the bench. Right. Uh, we didn't have a lot of agreements, but, you know, we – Stuck by each other the entire time. Um, and then they called me and basically said that they would love to have me back, but we know we can't afford you. So, <laughs> all right, well, we'll shake our hands. We'll we'll go find somebody else who yeah, can. Yeah, we'll cut our ties and you know, we'll move forward. So you don't know what country you're going to be in? No clue. No clue. Okay. I've had a couple calls in, in Italy, a couple in Germany, a couple in Turkey. And uh, we'll just see who who comes correctly. <laughs> well, That's but, right. Pay this man. Well, <laughs> and it's deserved so because... I think we saw you a summer, maybe two summers ago even, and just hearing you talk about the business side of what you're going through, you've earned the right to be in the position that you're in now. And I think that's kind of the key, right? Because of those experiences, because of, you know, not seeing eye to eye with the coach, but dealing with it the right way. Now you're in the position that, that you're in with the experience you have. Yeah, of course. You know, and a lot of that I learned here. A lot of that I learned here with dealing with Coach King. You know, <laughs> coach, coach Rice, you know, man. You know, Coach Rice and I, we always, we bash heads a lot too. But, um. He's the first one to admit it. Yeah, you know, we bash heads a lot too. But, you know, when you, you listen to who you're supposed to listen to and you, you realize that you don't have the answers and that your coach probably knows better, you know, you figure it out. <laughs> and, you know, you just play along and see where it takes you. How how much contact do you have with, with Coach Rice and the other guys on the coaching staff? Oh, I mean, you know, Coach Rice, we probably talk maybe two or three times a month, you know. Nice. Um. I try not to bother him too much when he's in season because I know how, how that gets. Um, I've been there for four years to deal with him. 
in season. I don't know how he how he reacts to certain things and just how passionate he is when the season's going on. So I try to stay out of his way. But um, when I can't contact him, I talk to Josh all the time. You know, that's my, right. that's my right hand guy. So of course, uh, I just try to talk to King through Josh, and you know, me and Josh talk three, four times a week. Well, you know, King will always, always make time for his guys. Of course, yeah, um, King is the greatest. That's one of the things that he really prides himself on, and something he believes. And I know he, it's something that he took from, I think, playing basketball in North Carolina. Is like when you come to a, a school, it's like your family. Then, and he's obviously been here for eleven years, and he's. We just had, you know, Mike had just graduated, so now he's got back to having a hundred percent graduation, which is something I know he talks about on recruiting visits all the time. Like. That's the most important thing, and I think he really believes that that this team is a family, and when when you're part of this family, and I mean, he's probably the only coach I've ever seen like guys have left, you know, taken fifth years wherever else, and like they're still welcome to come back. Yeah, of course. Um, come back and and play pickup or whatever. Like I, I, it's unbelievable. I don't think I'm that much of a man to be able to do that. I'd be like, oh, you wanted to leave, now you want to come back? No, go to your wherever you spent your last year or whatever. But he never acts like that ever. No, man, you know, Coach Rice, man, he's really, truly one of one, especially in, in the coaching world, in the college coaching world. He's truly one of one. Um, I've always said that's been his, his downfall, too. You know, <laughs> he, he gets so fixated on making sure everybody's great, you know, but that's what makes him great is that he makes sure everybody is great. There's truly no one left behind with Coach Rice. If you if Coach Rice, you know, brings you in, you're you're locked in for life. You know, without going too far back, I'm curious, when, when you were a freshman, right, ironically, Monmouth played Hofstra in that first game. Right? Remember, we were at Hofstra, and, and I think that's one of the few times that Monmouth had success against Hofstra because Hofstra's so good, right? And when it was your, Josh's, yours, yeah, Chris's, game. it was first game. First game. But first game as a member of the MAC. So was there any conversation in that preseason? You obviously never played in the NEC. You were recruited to play in the MAC, but now as Monmouth gets ready to enter another new conference in the CAA, do you have any advice for, for this group of Hawks, you know, being the first group to be in a new league? Now, with you, it was different because it was your first college basketball experience. But but would there be any advice that you have for them now as they kind of set on this next journey in Monmouth basketball history in a new league? Embrace the underdog. Embrace it, man. Because eventually, you know, Monmouth will get to the top. You know, I have the utmost confidence and faith in them that they eventually will be the hunted because that was our goal, you know. But as the as the new guys on the block embrace hunting people, just embrace it, you know, go out and really dive on that loose ball, make the extra pass, cheer each other on. Like all the little things really matter, especially now when everybody wants to come in and just disregard you. Mm-hmm. Embrace being the underdog, embrace being the Yorkie going after the pit bull because eventually you will graduate to be the Rottweiler, the pit bull, and then some Yorkie is going to come barking at you and trying to bite you. That's exactly what we did, you know? So you have to really just embrace being the small guy on the block right now. What was the biggest difference that you saw in your group from your first year to your second year when we opened the year at West Virginia? People forget that West Virginia game. Mom had the lead on the road in the second half, right? How did your group go from being the Yorkie to the pit bull and take that leap? I mean, you know, it was really kind of Josh and I. Like, Josh and I, we, after after my freshman year, um, I couldn't play the end of the season. I had the broken foot. 
Um, and then I think sophomore year, Josh had an injury as well, and he couldn't play at the end of the season. Like, I think Josh and I only played in two MAC tournaments together, my our junior and senior year. Right. Badger would know that. You know, he keeps all the stats. He would know that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, from sophomore year, from freshman year to sophomore year, we basically said, you know, we're going to stay on campus the entire summer. We're just going to we're gonna do summer sessions, and we're going to stay on campus and work out the entire summer. We've got work to do. And then after after the first session, I think a few more guys came to join the second session. And then the next, then the sophomore season happened, and then sophomore to junior season, pretty much everybody stayed on campus, and we just built a chemistry, and we knew to hold each other accountable for what we were trying to do. After my after our freshman year, when we were getting embarrassed in games, we were like, all right, we don't want this feeling ever again. Sophomore year, we get a little closer, and then the junior year happens, and then the senior year happens. So it was just, you know, holding each other accountable, making sure everybody's in the gym, making sure everybody's in the weight room, making sure you're in the gym longer. My goal was you're never going to be in the gym longer than me. Nobody will, no matter, I don't care if you come in after me. If you come in after me, you're still going to leave before I leave. Because I knew where we wanted to go and what we didn't want to happen ever again. So it takes one or two people to just have that mentality and be contagious. And you have to be a leader with it and be contagious with it. And then the rest will follow. What uh, I said, you know, before when we were talking, I said we wouldn't like make this heavily Mammoth because we wanted to talk about, you know, life after Mammoth for Justin Robinson. But uh, is there... And everybody asks, like, oh, what's your favorite game, blah, blah, blah. But is there, like, a favorite play or, like, run or, like, one moment where, like, you just, like, this is, like, sitting back thinking about it being, like, man, that was so much fun to be involved in. Um, um So, selfishly, I have to – I have the game winner at Ryder junior year. Yeah. Mm, awesome game. That was, you know, that was huge, especially just because – what a comeback that was. As much crap as Ryder was talking the entire the entire week, all of warm-ups, and then the second half, you know, just the build-up, and then <laughs> just bury him. Felt really good. Um, and then my second selfish one is after I hit the record-breaking shot at Marist, and I just came down and just let two more fly. I'm, I'm going to keep letting it fly until somebody calls the timeout. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was lucky enough to be at, well, obviously, Eddie, you were, but I was at both of those. And, like, yeah, we were talking about, um, I, I don't know why we were talking about this on the show a couple weeks ago, but we're going to miss playing at Ryder. Like, I hope. Yeah. People constantly ask King, and I, he's very, he, he doesn't, do- he dodges it in a good way, but um, he, he doesn't know if we're going to play Ryder because he isn't, like, beating his friends and he's friends with. Uh, Kevin Baggett and blah, blah, blah. But um, it, it's a good atmosphere. Like, whether they play here or we play there, they get that little, I don't know what they say, it sits like 1,400, which is a complete lie. They get, like, the 800-person <laughs> gym, and they're on top of you, and it's loud, and their fans are into it. It is an environment. And they play up. Their it kids is. always play up. I mean, Kevin Baggett has talent on his teams year after year after year after year. So I hope we definitely, I hope we go back to playing them at some point. Yeah, that is an environment. You know, it's very, very hostile, you know, fans along the baseline. (laughs) On the court, essentially. Yeah, the, the, right. It's like a, it's like a summer game, honestly. And it's, (laughs) it's no, there's really not a better environment between Monmouth and Ryder at Ryder. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, especially those years when you had both teams were so good. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and it was really, I mean, whether it was there, that Marist game you mentioned, I think even Marist, 
I, I think I remember they stopped the game, right? They made an announcement. Yeah, you had yeah, so many family awesome and friends there. They were great about it. Or you hang 40 at Siena. It didn't matter the, it didn't matter the <laughs> venue, right? Like a, a show was going to be put on either way. Yeah. And then my, I think, um, one of my other favorite moments was in Florida, Deion Jones is an N1 dunk against USC. I don't know why, but that <laughs> stands out. I really out. don't know why, but everybody went ballistic after that. Was, <laughs> that that was like a kind of put the exclamation point on the whole weekend. Yeah. Right? Beating Notre Dame, almost beating Dayton. Yeah, yeah I'm with Dayton. you. Yeah. We should have beat Dayton. We dropped that one. That's crazy. That, that USC trip. dunk was one that like, yeah, it wasn't even that crowded of a game, if you remember. No, it wasn't. But the but you guys went crazy. Yeah, it was it was ballistic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean USC Mammoth in Orlando, Florida over Thanksgiving week. Not gonna draw a huge crowd. Well, which is crazy <laughs> because Notre Dame and Dayton had great crowds. And then by that yeah. third day, you're like, if your team's not in it and you maybe yeah. USC fans went home. Yeah. But that was a revenge game as well. Yes, for sure. Sure was. We felt like we should have beat them at USC as right. well. What a crazy, what, I mean, we talk I know. about time. It's just a crazy time. We think back to it, and, and I think in the moment, we didn't necessarily all realize it. You know, Justin, what you and your teammates were taking us on, right? That journey that, like all of us, the sports that got to kind of go on. And that, and now we look back, and it's like, wow. Yeah, I don't think we really realized it either until we lost against Ole Miss in the NIT my senior year. And we were like, yo, right? we've done a lot. Yeah. Like, we've really done a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Huge, huge. People still talk about it. People are like, because well, then they had the bench going on too. And it was like, I got, I used to get tired of no disrespect to those guys, but I'd be like, hey, yeah, no, the bench is cool, but like, look what we're doing on the floor. Like, look who we're beating. Look how yeah, we're beating them. Well, the, the thing that I thought kind of captured the whole moment, and it's still hanging in the back office. Andrew Kurtz has it up. It was the USA Today. And I think it was the USA Today when we were in Orlando. And there's two articles. It's the USA Today. It's a national paper. There's two Mammoth articles on the same page. And the one article mentions, you know, the, the guys on the bench and doing their thing. And then the other article was written about you. And I believe it was a Nicole Arbach article that, that mentioned how, what you were doing. So I like that they took that angle of, you know what? It's, it's both and yeah, it's simultaneous, but no one, I <sighs> love those guys on the bench. No one recognizes that if you not, don't knock off those teams. Yeah. Because without yeah, no. that, they're just doing antics on yeah, the bench. Sure. Right. That's what made it so special. So 100%. I thought they kind of captured the the full moment of it. You know? Say today. She's a great writer. She's a great She's writer. Athletic now. Is that yeah. Um, well, so we're kind of at the point of when we talk to people that we won't wrap it up, but we like to go a little, we, we get off of sports. First of all, we could talk to Justin for a week. Yeah. We want this on record, but he's busy tonight. He's got to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying not to, to monopolize <laughs> his time. Um. So we kind of wrap it up with some fun questions, like a get to know you question. So I'm I'm gonna go first. Sure, sure. Uh, and I'm go. I I don't know. Like I'm friends with you on social media, but I'm not really sure I've ever seen this. So I'm gonna take a flyer here. Do you cook? And if J Rob cooks, what's the best thing that he can cook? Grill, whatever it is. J Rob does cook. There we go. J Rob does cook. Marissa is the better is the better chef. That's undeniable. Okay. Undeniable. Hat tip to the wife. But. There are times when she's like, I'm craving when you cook. So I'm like, all right, cool. Oh, so there's specialties you have. Yeah, for sure. In summertime when I get on the grill, I'm a, I'm a big grill guy. Okay. Big grill guy. Um, in the kitchen, my favorite thing to cook, I'll go with a garlic parmesan crusted chicken. Ooh. Um, uh, brown sugar roasted carrots. Ooh. Um, over white rice. 
That sounds fantastic. I would that's, crave that too. I get what she's. <laughs> she, I get where she's coming from. Yeah, she gets. She gets those cravings every now and again. And then what's the grill specialty? Yeah, what, what are you throwing on the grill for us? Grill, I throw. I do. <clears throat> I do kebabs. I'll do a classic burger and hot dogs, and then do an overnight marinated chicken. Wow. Very. Listen, I wasn't expect. You know, you're not expecting those. Could people I, say, "Oh, I feel like on. I've seen maybe some glimpses of the of the of the cooking on social media." Every now and again, you can't give them too much, you know? right? You can't, give them too much. <laughs> you can't give them too much. I feel like I've seen some glimpses, so I, that's why I went with that question. Go ahead, Eddie. You're up. S- seen him cook plenty of opponents. I haven't. Well, yeah. Well, seen. we all know about cooking. Seen that. The, the one that I'm curious about is, you know, one of the one of my favorite off the court memories back when you were playing. Was I don't know if it was before your junior or senior year, but I remember because of what I was doing at the time, we, we spoke about what the pregame mixtape should be for the basketball team. I think it was before your junior year, and you know, Justin got to the point where he's like, "All right, you know, I'm, I'm the leader of this team. I think I'm going to do this." And, and you and Josh came into the <laughs> office, and we had a first of all, it was my taste of music, so that's why I was kind of <laughs> like, you know, really infatuated with it. And, and we let you guys kind of take the reins of, of the mixtape and it turned into the most amazing, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, R and B rap mixtape of all time. Josh Newman, who I still talk to was infatuated with it. So I know your taste in music, but, but what's in your headphones now before a game, what are you listening to now on the way down to, to your JSPL game? Or, or what did you listen to um, in Germany this past season? Um, I listened to a, a barrage of everything. Like a still bar- the same stuff a, a little bit, a barrage of everything. Let's see. He's going to the phone, by the way. This is the first person we've asked us that's actually pulled out their phone to like give us a real glimpse. That's that's yes. accuracy. So the first song that I listened to today was actually uh, "I'm Still Standing" by Taron Egerton from the movie Sing. Wow! Wow! A phenomenal All right. song. Which is a phenomenal <laughs> oh, song. John cover. That is great. A phenomenal song. Okay. And then. I always have to listen to Jay-Z at some point throughout the day. That's my favorite artist of all time. Him and Michael Jackson. So those two have to get played throughout the day at some point. Okay. And then, you know, uh, Soul For Real. Um, Obviously. Do you go just with the basic candy rain, or do you go into the deep cuts? I'll go deep cuts. Good. I'll go deep cuts. Mama raised me right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mama raised me right. Um, and then, like, when I'm just chilling, I'll throw on, like, some Sade or Whitney Houston. Yes. Wow. Nice. Oh, the best. Chilling. He's on and off. And there is no mention of any, like, new hip-hop. I mean, they're, they're in there, but it's very, very seldom. Very, very seldom. Um, I like Jack Harlow. I listen to Jack Harlow. Um, I like Corday. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm heavy. Old heavy, school? Heavy Jay-Z, Pharrell, Pusha T. Like, I'm very... Renaissance, man. Yeah, I'm very... When rap was rap. That's yeah, what I like sure. to call it. Yeah, like, I feel like from... 98 to maybe 2009 is is my golden era of rap. Right. You're obviously, you, obviously, you can't disregard like Big Daddy Kane, KRS One, those guys. Right. Um, Run DMC, you know. But like 98 was when you can be selective with everybody's yeah. got what they listen to it during a certain time of their life. It's just funny that his is also like ours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Sure. I mean, I'm not listening to a whole lot of Sade, but like I, I understand. I do. I know you do. You throw that shot down. (laughs) Your love is king every time. (laughs) Throw that shot down. When I was getting married, my wife's like, what's our song going to be? I go, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. And then we didn't have a wedding because of COVID. So we got married without a wedding. So she lucked out. But the list you would have loved. You would have appreciated it. I see it all the time on Twitter. If you don't follow Eddie on Twitter, 
You don't see when he walks into a random diner or and see who gets it. Yeah, see who gets gets it. you would be surprised. Hey, people, uh, someone actually said to me once, "I go, you make that up." And I go, "I like you make it up. I'm not no. gonna make it up. No, you don't make it up." But it is surprising when you're in a diner and like someone forgets to change Spotify, and all of a sudden you're like, "Wow, I didn't know that they like Luther Vandross. I had no idea." And they didn't. Places. They just left it on. You know, I love the random places. I'll, I'll always be accurate with it. But if you don't well, listen, you got to follow Greg and I on social media. You got to follow Justin gotta for follow nothing him. else to keep track of his worldly travel and all the things that are going on. but And watch him just beat up foreigners. <laughs> Not <laughs> physically. Well, a little physically. <laughs> on the basketball court, though. I mean, it's just, I'm like, why are these dudes even try? I should have been better following the teams that you were with for learning new languages. I was just watching video clips on mute. I should have been like, man, I should have turned these on. Because oh, you've yeah, been in so many different try. countries. I should have been able to pick it up. Do you, not to, you know, again, to kind of go too far. How is your, your foreign language speak? How is your French, Italian, How's German, your French, Italian, Russian? Russian, German, yeah. Russian was obviously the hardest because um, they used the Cyrillic alphabet, which it's impossible to read. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I learned a little bit of everything. German was a little difficult, too. German's a little difficult, too. It's a very, very strong language. Yeah. Um, but Italian and French were pretty easy to pick up. Nice. Justin, we appreciate it, man. We know Seriously. that you're busy. We short know that, notice. Yeah, short notice. We know you got a game tonight, but we appreciate you coming in and, and always appreciate your time. And, you know, we've always said it to you, but just thank you for what you've done and continuing to be an awesome alum. And, you know, this is home for you. So whenever you want to come by. Of course, man, you know. What they say, fly, uh, Hawks fly together. You know, we always roll. Till the day we die. You know it. Justin Robinson, thank you very much. Eddie and I will be back with a quick wrap. You're listening to Hawk Talk. something that few in Europe have been able to do and that's slow down Justin Robinson always great when we got the you know word that he was around today and he was able to come in we just knew it was going to be a fun conversation and like we said we could do a five-part series with Justin to talk everything but we were thankful for his time he's the best and I feel like every time we talk or anybody talks to Justin Robinson the first thing we we jump to was like oh what what's your favorite moment at Monmouth so when we were kind of sitting down and chatting before we turned the mics on, I said, listen, we're not going to get into mom if we want to talk about like what you're doing now, but it's so hard because it's like those, he was here during such a crazy fun time that you want to get that little glimpse of, of magic in a bottle and, and see, you know, from the best player in school history, arguably, I mean, the all time leading score in division one history, you can make argument for whoever you want, but since I've been here, he's the best college basketball player we've had. Uh, and so he's a pretty important person to get that point of view from. Yeah, his perspective on on those teams, I think, as the you know, he would not say, you know, he's, he's quick to point out he, he's the best player on his team in Europe. He's he would not say that about his Monmouth teams because they were such interchangeably a team, brotherhood, and a brotherhood. And and you heard him mention it. So, but yeah, I mean, of course, you want to know his all time favorite moment because, quite frankly. There's no one more qualified to talk about those years than the the gentleman who was in the middle of it, maybe outside of his head coach, right? Who yeah. who kind of orchestrated everything. So, you know, we're we're so happy to see Justin doing his thing. You know, it's playing overseas is a long tradition at Monmouth, being a professional overseas. It goes back into the, you know, the eighties and the nineties with some great names. But for Justin to make the name he's made for himself in now what, four different countries, it's 
it really is remarkable. And of course, he liked Italy the best. Come on. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, he is the best player on his team and all of those teams. Yes. I can just tell from the media coverage. No, he, he is. Oh, yeah. He gets a ton of coverage. He, he And because of him being an underdog and inherently an easy person to root for, he instantly is a hit with all of those fan bases. Yeah, you know, all you awesome. have to do is follow him on social. Yeah, he's fun. He's awesome. He's got a fantastic wife and Marissa. Like, yeah, you know, one of those mammoth. So many love stories. So it's one of those mammoth love stories that is so interesting because you go back to even when I was in school and whether it's, you know, Ryan Campbell and Colleen or, you know, I mean, there's so many, you know, the Walshes, right? You you, you just mm-hmm. think back and the Frasers, the Frasers, you know, there's, there's so many that Maybe it's that's awesome. a new marketing. Maybe that's what we should be marketing to, to the outside. Like find your love <laughs> at Monmouth University. It happens a lot. Happens a lot. Happens a lot. Happens a lot in athletics. Happens a lot in athletics. Happens a lot. I mean, I have friends who were non-athletes who, you know, same thing, growing, you know, going to school here. So, but he was able to do it. And Marissa was, you know, was on the cheerleading dance team. team. yeah. Cheerleading or, I'm sorry, dance, dance team. team. You're yeah. right, dance team. So, that's great. So, we're so, you know, thankful and happy he was able to stop by. And, and I was going to continue his kind of summer workout. So, um, you know, we wish him, obviously, the best of luck. And, obviously, keep it locked to, you know, the, the basketball account on social as well. Because, you know, Gary's always up to date with where those guys are going. Whether it's Justin, whether it's Chris Brady, whether it's any of the guys, Max DeLeo, that are playing overseas. So Diego Quinn, I think, was overseas. Diego was overseas. And, you know, Austin Tillman's Chris really Brady. carved out a nice career. Austin Tillman's another one. I mean, he's like the Husky Bulls just tearing it up. I think he's in Italy. I think he was in Italy a little bit. By the way, he's perfect for him to go to Italy. Yeah. Because... Of just his personality and, and how he is. It, Although it I never, he, his favorite food was McDonald's. So. No, it's more so for how his um, outlook is. He's just kind of a very like happy, yeah, jovial great. person. Um, but great. yeah, he great would, dude. he would have McDonald's after pregame meal. He loves it all. Or I'm sorry, postgame meal. Postgame. Yeah. That was his favorite meal. So, CAA. You know, we, we let off our, our conversation. It is a new year. Week. And it's, you know, we're winding week one down. I thought the CAA did a great job with, they introduced their social accounts to all of the new teams. Mm-hmm. I, I I think today was Stony Brook, but Hampton was the other day. and, and uh, Today was A&T. Right, it was A&T today. I think Stony Brook's tomorrow. Their coverage, you know, their reporters, um, I believe Carly Smith, someone that we'll get to know, her interview with Jeff was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff totally blanked on Max's hot dogs, by the way, and I told him that. Um, but it was great. The coverage that the league gave Mammoth, and I think it's just going to serve as fans. will see this is a big deal. They know it's a big deal. We know it's a big deal. So you're going to see a lot of in and around this for the next couple of months. Yeah. Really excited. Really excited. The staff there have been awesome. Every single one I've dealt with, uh, you know, commissioner D'Antonio called him about something. Yeah. Well, actually I wrote, I wrote an email about something and then he called me and I was like, wow, this is, kind of a shock and that's not putting anybody else down it's just like conference commissioner calling me to talk about something um but he's awesome and and um we talked to him a little bit but we, he wants to get on the king rice show apparently king king and badger show him and him and coach rice are friends and they know each other from way back in the providence days so yep. he was talking about making some time to be on there and i'm sure we'll we'll get a chance to chat with him on a couple different mediums so uh really looking forward to that whole partnership and the guys, Rob Washburn is, is awesome down in the media people and 
Just good. Looking forward to it. It's going to be great. So this is just the very beginning of of what you're going to see with that, with obviously, you know, sports a couple of weeks away from reporting, which is pretty wild already as we sit here now at the end of the first week of July. (laughs) Seriously. The other really big news that has happened around the department, you know, was the new announcement, you know, in leadership for the women's soccer program and, and, you know, the old or previous associate head coach, Kylie Rossi, is now um, going to be the head coach. And um, I'm sorry, Kylie Flynn now. Sorry. Yeah, I, think I, I, just, say, I didn't want to correct you. Sorry. No, that's my fault. That's my fault. She's still on my phone as Kylie Rossi, and I congratulated her. So that's my mistake. But Kylie Flynn and, and her husband is a great guy because we know him. Um, but congratulations to her. Um, funny enough, I ran into Lauren Carabin the other day okay. in Target. We should get them as a sponsor. That's right. And I said, hey, how you, how's everything going? And she's like, great. We're really excited about, you know, obviously having Coach Kylie. And at the time, it was still in the works. It got announced today, you know, as we're taping now. And to, to talk to her and to hear how excited she was and her teammates are for this opportunity for Kylie, I know we all kind of feel the same way. Yeah, and, and our athletic director, Jeff Stapleton, and Jen Sansevero, our senior women's administrator who led the search, uh, I, I'm pretty sure, and I've been here a couple of late days, that they had meetings with a number of different current women's soccer players. And it seemed like to a T, all of them basically said, like, we want Coach Kylie to be our coach. And it's like, how do you – a team that's had that kind of success, she's obviously been underneath Coach Turner and and, and who has set the blue blueprint up for success at Monmouth. So, you know – how do you say no when the players come in and say, yeah, like you don't. And it was never even a thought. I think they said, you know, she's got to be a strong candidate. She's a host associate head coach. They've had all the success. Right. And as I'm reading the press release and, and we forget, cause she's been here for 10 years, but as I'm reading the press release, I like go back and, and I'm reading her accomplishments as a player at Tennessee. Oh, phenomenal player. All American. <laughs> you forget how awesome she led the team in scoring every year. Oh, yeah. In an SEC school. You forget it, too, because she doesn't have an ego. She's no. She just walks around the hallway, says good morning, how's your day, and then you forget that, like you said, she was one of the best players in SEC women's soccer history. So it was uniquely positioned to to really lead this program now, and we wish Coach Turner the best as she's moved on to the University of Pennsylvania and a new opportunity for her, but um, that'll be one of the first sports to report will be Coach Flynn's women's soccer team to come in and, quite frankly, have a really good chance to have a successful year in the CAA, you know, if everyone can stay healthy, and they do what we know they can do. And they'll have some pieces back, and uh, we're definitely going to have Coach Flynn on this program to talk about that. You know, we were talking a little bit when we were off the air about whether we have Ron in July or do we have Ron after maybe a couple, I think probably after a couple weeks of practice. Let her run her own show there for a couple of weeks and see how that, that works out. The kind of putting a bow on the previous school year, um, it was announced on social media. The the last awards that we were giving out were the Mammoth, uh, the Paul Gaffney, you know, male and female athletes of the year. And um, Sammy Reagan Clint from the cross country team was the women's athlete of the year. Trey Dombrowski, the, the male athlete of the year. We were able to catch up with them with some video interviews. So those will be hitting social media soon. But yeah, definitely get on to watch those. Eddie does a great job with them. I appreciate that. But, you know, it was so interesting. They're both going on into really interesting career journeys. Sammy's going on into, um, like an advanced medical 
you know, degree program at Penn, ironically enough. <laughs> um, and, and Trey in 10 days could very well hear his name called in the you know, first round of the major league baseball draft. Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome. And, um, you should go back and listen to Trey. We had him on the show, I don't know, maybe like the fourth episode. He was one of the early Hawk Talk guests. Yeah, and he was really good. And we were trying to get Sammy on because I wanted to, you know, talk with her a little bit, but not sure it's going to happen. She's uh, traveling a little bit, and now she's getting ready for school, and yeah. just we, we keep trying to go round and round with circles. But um, it doesn't matter because Eddie has you covered, and you can watch those two interviews and go back and listen to the Trey, the Trey Hawk Talk. But um we're really pumped. Really, I mean, it was almost like a no-brainer to me. I don't know. We have a the the head coaches vote for the the players of the year, and each coach gets to kind of talk about their 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 nominee. Uh, and going into it, I was like, eh, it really should be those two. I think there was there was some more tighter competition on the women's side, I think, than the men's side. But uh, in the end, I think they they made the right decision and. Uh, to just two fantastic athletes for us this year. Yeah, and and you know among a group of really great nominees, which I think was key. So uh, obviously, congratulations to them. And you know this is kind of the first episode of the new year in quotes, right? Because again, in college athletics, after July one, that's when you've seen on social media, you know, conference realignment, right? It's it's hitting the news again. Oh, wow, is it wild? Have you heard even? I mean, the the, the discussion stuff today. It's crazy. You see the stuff today about the ACC schools. No, Clemson. I avoided social media for a couple hours. I had meetings. Hold on, somebody oh. sent me a text. Oh goodness, what this happened? Is topical. It is topical right now. Uh, I thought it was in a group. We're in so many groups together that I feel like it. I thought. Oh, <laughs> oh maybe it was. <laughs> th- oh no, here it is. North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia are all negotiating to join the SEC. Makes sense. ESPN is trying to void their TV deal with the ACC to help it. Well, they can do that because ESPN controls both the SEC network right. and the ACC package because right. they don't really even have like a regional network. You know what's interesting to me? Not to get too far off on this topic because we could talk about this for five hours. Sure. The, we do. Have you ever... So when we hear the letters AAU, we assume it's like basketball related. Mm-hmm. But it, there's an academic organization of American universities that incorporate the AAU. Okay. I, I never knew this. And... Someone said, yeah, that's who the Big Ten always looks to add. And you start looking through, and it's like, oh, wait, Rutgers is in that. Maryland's in that. USC's in that. UCLA's in that. I think it's like big research-based. It's research-based, like public universities for the most part. But interesting. How does Northwestern fit in there? I don't know. but Well, exactly. But there's interesting ones on that list, like Duke, North Carolina, Oregon. So, like, it leads you to believe there Mm -hmm. might be a blueprint there. But So that was the most recent thing, that those schools are negotiating with the SEC? Yeah, that that was today. You're just going to see... Conventry alignment has hit now West Long Branch for the third time in 10 years, right? So we aren't immune to it. No. But that's that's where it all starts, too. It starts at that level, and then you see everything. I mean, but, like, I don't want to be rude. Go on. But, like, North Carolina and Virginia, like, who are they beating in football in the SEC? Well, that's why. So what were the four? It was those two, Clemson and who? Florida State. Florida State. See, I always thought North Carolina and Duke would kind of be tied together. Yeah. That's weird. It's not because <laughs> I, yeah, but they're all those schools are flirting with both of those leagues. Uh, but the thing I don't understand is and like, why not Miami? That's a good question. T- to me, it's kind of like, why don't we just cut? And I love football and I love power five football. Why don't we just cut that loose? Well, why, why ruin these relationships and all these other sports for what is TV money? 
That's all this is about. This is only about one thing, television money. It is, and that's why the SEC and the Big Ten are as attractive as they are because they can offer member schools the most money. Now they're just getting more. And it's funny. Have you seen all of the stuff online? It's it's like, you know, the ESPN versus Fox. It's (laughs) the SEC versus the Big Ten. But I'm with you. Let football. We just got done doing this for like eight years here. Yeah. Football can play in one league. Everyone else can play in another league. Let football just do its own thing. Let them go. And do whatever, but don't don't let it impact the other sports that don't have the means that football... Football is a once-a-week game. You jump on a flight. If you're a road team, it's a charter flight. It's different when you're playing two soccer games in a week or a three-game baseball series or It's just whatever. stupid that UCLA is going to be like, oh, I'm going to go play UCLA men's soccer, women's soccer. Oh, I, I got a, a road swing at Penn Piscataway. State and, yeah, and Rutgers. I know. And I'm going to fly across the country and miss all the... like. I don't know. I can't believe there hasn't been more like fight about that. Like, yeah, okay, we get it. It's football. So let's just, and somebody, I, I don't, I think it was somebody around here said like, we're basically building the AFC and the NFC. That's what's happening. <laughs> That's true. You're going to have two like 20 team leagues and it's the best 40 teams in the country. Right. That are going to play football against each other, and everybody else will be like essentially what the group of five is now. Well, exactly right. So that's the jockeying between what's left of the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC. And now you're <laughs> seeing those leagues might have some kind of affiliation, but it's trying to get into one of those two leagues. And if you don't, then you won't have a chance to compete for a championship. After this is all said and done, I'm not sure anybody outside of the SEC and the and the Big Ten is going to have a shot. Well, to the point you just said, if it is indeed an AFC and an NFC. Well, there's only two conferences that feed into the right. playoffs. So what it's going to be impossible for someone on the outside of that. So right. I don't care if you're still in the big, you know, the big 12 is probably the ones that are like, cause I heard, you know, they're going to go after the Arizona schools and Colorado right. and try to get Oregon. I mean, that's Oregon and Utah are kind of like the shining beacon left yeah. in, in and the, Washington to a lesser extent, yeah. but I'm with you on Oregon and Utah. They're the two best. Those are the two overall programs. programs. Right. And, and honestly, if Oregon didn't have Phil Knight, I mean, who ever heard of Oregon 25 years ago? No, it, they're not a blue blood. It's true. They just had Phil Knight money and they were smart and they'd had the whole marketing and they did really outlandish things with their colors and uniforms. And they've and had it, hired it, really good coaches. They've hired very good coach, young guys that you kind of, kind of heard of. And then they get there and they kind of take off and then yep. they leave. Right. Um, it, it's interesting. It's a little sad. I feel like I was thinking about this driving home the other day. Like, man, like the traditional, we watch a lot of college, classic college football in my house. My kid, I love it. I was going to try to blame it on Frank. It's me, but he loves it too. Um, And it's like, I don't know what that's going to look like in 20 years. Like, it's not going to look like it looks now. Like it looked when I, when we were kids, you know? Yeah. Cause I give it a lot of thought too, because College football, like, when you just grow up loving it. And it's funny, when you live in the Northeast and grow up loving it, I feel like we have a different perspective because we're not, like, entrenched in the SEC or entrenched in Texas. So we can appreciate all of it. We can appreciate Alabama playing Auburn, but we can also appreciate, you know, Cal playing USC and everything in between. But I'm with you. And even take, like, the bowls. Like, take away the Big Ten versus the Pac-10 or Pac-12 in the Rose Bowl. But it's more like the every Saturday things yeah. that I think we're going to miss, but maybe what you end up having is this indeed super professional, almost league, right? The, these two power leagues, mm-hmm. then the rest of what well, almost becomes the group of five. Maybe they play to earn rights into the bowl tie-ins. Right. And then you still have FCS football and, and everything else. Yeah. I mean, I watch, 
I mean, obviously it's my job, but I watch more FCS football than I probably do any other football now. Like I'll go home, like if we, let's say, play a home game and I go home at night, like, yeah, okay, I'll flip on ASP, you know, ABC and watch whatever games on there or whatever. But like I'm watching big sky games because it like directly impacts what happens here at Monmouth. You know, if Notre Dame has a great game against Penn State on NBC at eight o'clock at night, like that's awesome and, and it's fun, but it doesn't impact what we do here. Right. So I, I find myself watching that. So I will always watch I mean, we talk about watching Maction and Sure Fun Belt and All of that. <laughs> the one good thing about COVID, we spoke about this. The one good thing about COVID was that you literally could have Yeah, a game every night. A game every night. I mean, like, NFL games were being moved to play it on a Tuesday night. It was, like, probably stunk for those athletes. Yeah, but there were some nights that, like, I remember the Steelers played, like, Washington on, like, a Tuesday at 5 o'clock. Awesome. And then there was a matching game at 8.30, and I was like, honey, I'll see you later. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable how much I love football. Nah, but and you. It's, it, well, you know, likewise. Yeah. For both. And as long as I feel like you can protect the integrity of the basketball tournament, I don't know if it's possible to do both. I, that's why I said cut look, that they're going to ruin the basketball tournament. Right. So if you can let football exist on its own right. and keep basketball the way it is, because you don't want to Im- impact that Thursday, Friday, right? You need those days. And I think like, I can't even say the NCAA because who knows what they're going to be running at the time, but people know that let football go be football. Let basketball be basketball. These schools are chasing money, but it's okay. It's not a dirty word. Everyone is. Yeah. UCLA literally said we had to make this move. To not, save a bunch of sports. Yeah. So in order to save women's soccer, now they have to charter a flight to Lincoln, Nebraska. But it's okay. Just be honest. You know, it, there's no definites. It can all operate in a kind of a, 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 you know, a gray area. But as long as the right decisions are being made, okay. Yeah. Let football I, go play. Keep basketball the way it is. Right. Like, like just, hey, we are leaving, you know, like the, like the CAA. Kind of tie it all in and then we'll get out of here. But the CAA is the Colonial Athletic Association, and then because there are, the Football League has 13 members and so many of them are associates, that's the CAA Football League. It's a right. different thing. There's a different governance structure. There's right. They make they make uh, decisions unilateral from the main overall because, you know, if you're – the idea there is if you're – I don't know, just pick somebody who doesn't have football in the league um, – if you're a team like UNC Wilmington, if you're a team like UNC Wilmington, you're not making decisions for the football league. And likewise, if you have Richmond and you have all these other teams, Maine and New Hampshire, that aren't full time members, they're not making decisions that impact the College UNC of Charleston. Wilmington. Right, yeah, right. College of Charleston. So, like, it really works that way. And I think that if we step back for two seconds and just said, okay, fine, we're going to have the. SEC football league or whatever. Right. And these teams are all going to play in that because we want the TV money because that, that doesn't affect UNC and Duke in the ACC playing each other in all those other great games that they play against. You know, like soccer is a huge rivalry and obviously the two, you know, men's and women's across is a huge, right. huge rivalry. And I'm sure, I'm sure everything is, um, but you can but do it, both, right? You can do both. You can have both. UNC can go get its money in the SEC in football and still have a rivalry in every other sport. And hey, by the way, you're going to play 12 games anyway. So if you want to lock in Duke as as a rival on the football field, you can, and and you know bludgeon them. It just needs to be right. It needs to be just talked about like that, right? Like 
You can't try to fit a new idea into an old existing structure. It's just not going to make sense. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, like to me, the, the glaring example, I know we've gone way over here, but the glaring example that comes to me is like Syracuse. Like let Syracuse football go do whatever it wants to do. And they're not terribly successful, but they'll have years. But like Syracuse and basketball should play Georgetown and St. John's and, you yeah. know, like like Villanova. So I, I want to do both. I want to be a traditional football Go do your thing. But I also want to be a traditional basketball guy. Like, no, keep the integrity of those old rivalries, you know, intact. And then let these leagues just figure it out. The problem is, in that specific case. I know, that's a hard one. Or those specific cases that, while that was a football decision, all of the, like, the ACC wanted those basketball schools. Of course. You know, like, yes. Like, you, yeah, okay, yeah, it's a football season. We'll take, you know, we're going to take Syracuse, but they really wanted Syracuse basketball. Of course. Um, but it's funny that they wanted that, but football is what drove the decision-making process yeah, on those 100%. campuses, right? 100%. And this all goes back years ago. You, you know, that 130 for 30 goes into it, how there was almost a, a East Coast-only football league years ago, and Penn State didn't want to do it. And if Penn State would have done it, it could have looked so... Everything could have looked different. It's fascinating, all of that. But we know one thing. We know Mamet's in the CAA. Mamet's a proud member of the CAA. We're excited. And we are excited. And and I got a lot of love for the Big South. Absolutely. I I, I love some of the people in that conference. They did really well by us football-wise. Uh, it enabled our, our program to grow in a way that it probably wouldn't have if we didn't join that, that league. So You could take I probably just, out. They were they yeah, were. I just I, I want to get that across, that, that I am. Big into the um, into that league. No, I I went on a thank Twitter. Them. I went on a Twitter rant last week and said the same thing. Yep. You know, I saw it. That was very nice. Well, thank you, but it's true. I mean, the people and and for us, you know, selfishly, what the people at the MAC allowed Mammoth to do and grow with what we do with broadcast and coverage and oh, what what one hundred percent what the Big South did too. Great partners of Mammoth, and they've all they they're moving on, right? They're adding members and yeah, they're doing their fine. thing, and they'll be great. So it's set Mammoth up as an institution to kind of do this. So it's only good, and it's only going to continue to get better. And we'll keep bringing it to you, and we'll keep bringing you the personalities that make this department and university up. And you know what? We love doing it. And you know what, Greg? I know we talked way too long, and if anyone's still listening, we appreciate it. <laughs> but I look forward to doing College it again. Football breakdown. <laughs> I could certainly see us doing a college football only show. Um, till Ooh, next spinoff, a little spinoff. We're trying to do them every week, but it gets tough. There's a lot of vacation going on here. There's a lot of pools and babies. Oh, and, some uh, in some cases, both. But pooled babies. <laughs> so anyway, we will be back uh, soon. We'll say soon. Like, subscribe, retweet it. We're going to put them out. We put some great clips out. Mark Mormon, you know, I'll cut some clips and Mike Mark Mormon puts them out to so retweet those. Yeah, and you have no excuse not to listen to this one because Justin's got great social media reach. You know he's going great. to retweet it. And, and we learned a lot of new things about cooking and dogs and Russia. That was a frightening story. <laughs> it's crazy. I would have been home. production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved.